Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Mickey Reese's mind-bending latest film, Climate of the Hunter, immerses us in the story of two sisters, Alma and Elizabeth, along with a dog who's described as a philosopher. We've come to Alma's remote house to reconnect with Wesley after 20 years. Wesley is their next-door neighbor, and a little bit of uncertainty as to where and how they all connected. Alma is recently divorced. Elizabeth is a workaholic in Washington, D.C., while Wesley lives in Paris dealing with a wife recently struck with a fatal disease. When the three come together for a dinner, it has all the makings of a lovely adult melodrama about loneliness and the desire to connect and share our lives with someone. And that's where I'm going to leave it because the film is just so much more than that. The film is called Climate of the Hunter, and we're joined today by the writer as well as the director of the film, and that would be Mickey Reese. Mickey, welcome to Film School Radio. Uh, thank you. Co-writer, actually. Yeah, we, well, let's give him credit. The co-writer is John Salvage. You did a great job together working on this. It uh, it not only is the storyline unusual, but also the characters feel like they're really fleshed out in a way. They kind of pull us into the story. Tell me where where the story came from. Like, so what was an inspiration for it? Sure. Um, so first, I was presented with a with the location, and I knew what actors I wanted to work with. So it was kind of writing for those actors in that location. You know, there's not really uh, much of a story or a plot. It's more about just kind of here are the guidelines to get these characters talking, which is probably another reason why it's, you know, hard to kind of navigate where it's going because, you know, while we're writing it, we don't even know where it's going, which is kind of like, uh, like, a, like a subconscious exercise. Sounds a little like Casablanca. Whatever, however this all came together, at least for me, it kept me off balance, kept me, on, kept me on my feet as well in terms of just sort of wanting to know where we were going with the storyline. Because in a lot of the scenes, particularly early on, uh, the characters dance right up to a line, a line of revelation about either whether it's about Alma, what happened to her in her past, or, whether, or more to reveal about Elizabeth. The characters get up to a certain point in telling a story about each other, and then they stop. That tension is, for me, what sort of keeps this film moving along and also continues to ratchet up the tension. Is that a fair way to put it? When you, you know, develop these characters, they almost write themselves. You're, you're delivering, you know, what, uh, what these characters are, what these characters say, but, you know, a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, the actors, just their brilliant performances and, you know, pulling, pulling that, that tension off that you speak of. Speaking of the actors in the film, I thought Ben Hall was just spectacular. Uh, I have not seen him. Yeah, he is just great because he has this bearing. He has this sort of, this is such a weird reference, but he has a little bit of Ricardo Montalban sort of in in him. There's a certain, like, there's a certain flair, a certain continental flair to his character. And he delivers it with the, this kind of, uh, certainty of purpose the way he he approaches this role that really pulls you in i he's he's a dashing if you will character he's he and he leaves just enough just enough on the table where you're not quite again you're not quite certain where he's coming from what his character's true nature is and what the motives are and in almost every scene he's in there's a there's this element of um 
certainty of his grasp of the character is just remarkable. I guess is what I'm trying to get to. See, I think the character is just kind of a big dork, you know, just uh, really, really full of himself and, you know, very pretentious and just, you know, full of all of his, all of his knowledge. And, you know, he's more worried about uh, name dropping, you know, than he is uh, actually connecting with anyone. I feel like, you know, there's, there's, yeah, there's, there's, there's layers to him, but. Uh, yeah. Well, there, there is that. There is that. Well, and the, again, it's there, sort of a, there are layers a, to him, but I don't know if it ever uh, culminates into anything like, uh, to to make him uh, a a well defined human being. Well, and and there is uh, an element of this because we haven't really I haven't talked you know about the sort of the horror side of this storyline of this of the film, but there is kind of a dark shadows sort of vibe to to the production. Is is that again? I want to be fair. Does that sound? Yeah, dead on. Actually, um, there is there's a little art house theater uh, concert venue slash you know movie theater uh, around here called the Tower Theater. And they happen to have been showing Dark Shadows. And we, John and I went to watch that. We knew we were making a vampire movie. We knew what kind of vampire movie we were making. We hadn't seen Dark Shadows. Maybe he had, I hadn't. Um, maybe some episodes of the show, but the, you know, the actual movie, they were showing at Tower and we went to see it. And we, we definitely like, definitely bit some things off of it. But I mean, the style was already kind of defined which I think that's what people think of Dark Shadows when they see it. Our stuff was more in some of the dialogue, but I think, but we, you know, the movie was already a, a you know four three boxy like soft focus seventies soap opera movie before Dark Shadows ever came into play. But yeah, we we it, it definitely helped us along. Well, there there is that kind of Barnabas yeah feel vibe too. Yeah, definitely in that realm. And then I I thought that uh, Ginger Gilmartin and and Mary Bus are just terrific as well. Everyone plays to uh, the the right level of the other characters because this is also a film where it feels like you could have had a performance or two where people would have overplayed it and 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 it would have kind of think thrown the whole film off. Uh, it's grounded just enough in terms of the storytelling and their performances to really, like I said, you really keep you off balance in the telling of it. So. For sure. Um, you know, I think some, sometimes they did almost too good of a job because, you know, like in uh, you know, my whole goal, a lot of times is just to kind of switch tones real quick. And whenever you you're grounded in these characters, like, like you were saying, like where, where you're almost like with them, like, like it's almost realism to that degree. Uh, then when the tone shifts happened, it's almost like, Oh, I must have messed up. <laughs> <laughs> well, in terms of Ginger Gilmartin, her performance as Alma, I, I'm, as I sit here today, I'm not really certain if what we see at the very beginning of the film is true or not. What we see in the in the in the report in the medical report about her mm -hmm. at, at at the end of the movie, I'm not really absolutely. I don't know. Was that was that an accurate? assessment of her mental state or is there oh, some and you don't you don't I guess there's lots of questions in in the movie I, there's lots of withholding from the audience and I think there's lots of uh mysteries like like you're like you're saying but I don't think that was a mystery I think she was definitely off the rocker a little bit yeah Be well the reason I say that is because I'm watching the film and there are points in the film where I feel like am I watching a dream Am I watching, or the, am I watching something that's actually happening? So it caused me to, to as I'm watching the film, to not ever be quite certain what I was, whether or not the scene that was playing out in front of me was something that actually was 
actually happening, quote unquote, in the film, or if it was some version of someone else's imagining or their dream about what was happening. So that's think, just how I that's how I, I took I, it. I think the yeah, I think you're that's exactly you know what it, what it is like. We're we're seeing some things through Alma's eyes, and yeah. we're seeing some things through through our eyes, and eventually the two blur together, and we don't know what we're watching. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. I'm glad. I just glad I got that part. Of it. The film again is called Climate of the Hunter, and we're we're talking with the director and co-writer of the film. That's Mickey Reese. The film is coming out. Well, first of all, it's been in selected theaters. If you have a chance to check it out, if you have, uh, through it uh, started on December 18th, so just last week. Uh, but it will be on uh, a number of platforms starting on January 12th, which is iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, Xbox, Vudu usual suspects, if you will, you can find it there. That That's great coming up. That's fantastic. And I looking a little bit at your filmography. Uh, it seems that this is one of the first films where you've had the opportunity to kind of expand the, the, the crew that you're, that you're working with in the film. Mm -hmm. uh, you've done a number of other films, which looking through sort of the history of them and the reviews that came in about them were also just wonderfully well done. I guess Mickey Reese's Alien got you know, a lot of attention for the sort of genre-busting kind of uh, part of the filmmaking that you did on that, and a number of other films coming from after that. What happened uh, in terms of your film career that that you got some money to start making the kinds these kinds of films? I, is this a sort of a progression in your... Yeah, um, uh, basically, I, I kind of got discovered to a degree. I, after Mickey Reese's Alien, um, I made a movie called Strike Your Mistress and Cure His Heart. And it played at Fantastic Fest in Austin. That's where I met the uh, Divide and Conquer guys. That's where I met Peter Kaplowski. So I've got some people in my corner. I got I met some people, that got some people on my team that, uh, you know, helped me get some, some more resources to, uh, to make a movie like this. So they saw something in me and, you know, thank God they did because we got to make this movie. Now, I'm just curious because it, it feels like the films you were making, you were talking about the earlier films that you've made, were, uh, I'll say, a one-man band kind of approach. And now suddenly you've got what I assume to be kind of a crew of people working with them. How did that, what was the benefit of that? And what was the sort of the drawbacks, if you if there were any, uh, to having a crew of with you to do Climate of the Hunter? Hunter. There certainly weren't any drawbacks. It took some getting used to, okay. you know, uh, I'm ready to move. And then like, oh, wait, we got to wait on hair and makeup. We got to wait on, uh, you know, there's, there's just all kinds of different, I said hair and makeup. There's all, all things you have to wait for sometimes, you know? And so I learned, you know, to be more patient and to kind of figure it out, but I'm still taking the same approach where I'll figure it out when we, when I see it. I think that, planning when you have a giant crew it's you know and you're storyboarding and things like that can help everyone but i'm still not there yet you know i'm still not that organized i still have like this approach where i just kind of need to see it and then i'll figure out how the the pieces work no i can imagine well you you got so good at making films the way that you had been making them the film looks great Samuel Calvin did a wonderful job uh, on this film. A lot, a lot of, especially given how uh, how much of the film is in the shadows, in the, more or less in the dark. The lighting mm -hmm. looked great, uh, and it just yeah had a great look to it. And that had to be a real challenge for any cinematographer, but it looks it really turned out well. Yeah, for sure, he killed it. I get the sense of talking to you and kind of what I've read about your your films in the past that you 
you're a film aficionado. Yeah, but I've met a lot of people that know a lot more than I do. I think you would have to just pick a specific, you know, get into a, a specific world of film and then I can. I'm well, very well let me, let, then let me ask you, like, who are your, some of your favorite film directors? Everyone from uh, Bergman to Harmony Korine to Fassbinder to um, Scorsese, uh, Fincher, uh, P.T. Anderson, Tarantino. David Lynch? I love David Lynch. Of course I love David Lynch. Um, oh, you know, Michael Mann's my favorite. Like, if there's um, many I don't like, you know what I mean? Right. Especially that are making, you know, art films or making something that's, you know, uh, um, elevated. Well, and one of the reasons I, I asked you that question, first of all, I think what I saw in Climate of the Hunter feels like someone who is is, is a true student of film, but also your, I believe your t-shirt that you have on right now is a, is oh. a Fossfinder t-shirt. So that was sort of, that's why I decided to go down that road. If you're like me, who watches a lot of films, you, you sort of recognize elements of it, but this feels a lot different than then it feels like its own film. I guess I'm trying to get to that. And, and that is, it feels like its own movie. This is your vision and you were able to really carry it out. And I, I had a great time with it. It kept me guessing until, till now. I mean, as I said, you know, earlier, I, I'm not quite exactly certain the way the film turned out is exactly the reality of, of the story. If, if that's, you know, what I, what I saw was what I saw, but it's got me guessing. It's got me off. It, it's definitely got me wondering about it and thinking about it as well. So, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't, you know, I don't know that, you know, and it's in what you're describing really isn't in the writing. You know what I mean? It's just a more of a mystique, like almost a, a this kind of more mysterious atmosphere that creates that kind of confusion. And, um, which that's something I can wrap my head around, but you know, some kind of like uh, really clever uh, script, you know, where you're like clue or, you know, right, or right. Even like a knives out or something that kind of like keeps you guessing, like, like the way, which is kind of the way it sounds like when you're describing it, like I could probably never write something like that, but I can, but I'm also not interested in it. I'm more interested in, you know, like creating the, uh, the mystery within the atmosphere of the movie. Yeah. And for me, it is more the ambiguity in each of these scenes and I taking away something from each of them as the film moves forward. It's hard to figure out for me. It's hard to figure out exactly what's going to happen next. And when it does, it's I really have to think through why this is happening the way that it's happening. It's sort of again, it just kind of keeps me keeps me guessing. And I love these kind of movies. This is a, this I I've seen a lot of films in my life and you kind of know from the amount of films that you've seen, you have a pretty good idea of the trajectory of most films moving forward. You can kind of guess what the second and third act are going to look like. And not in this one. I, I didn't feel that way. And I, I think that's, for me, that's a great film to be able to do that. Great filmmaking to be able to do that. So, um, awesome. yeah, yeah. Well, are you, are you, I'm certain you're working on stuff. It seems like uh, looking through, again, looking through your filmography, you're cranking out two or three films a year, which is pretty darn amazing, or at least they're being released at that that pace. So are uh, you working on something now? In February, we're shooting a movie called Country Gold. Again, I, I really want to thank you for uh, the film, uh, Climate of the Hunter. 
and how much uh, I look forward to watching your other films. I'm looking forward to seeing as many of them as possible. And once again, before I let you go, people can see Climate of the Hunter beginning on January 12th, 2021 on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, Xbox, Vudu, DirecTV, Dish Network, and all other major cable providers. Check it out. I, I strongly recommend it. It's a it's a wonderful film and well done. And uh, my congratulations. And I hope you come back. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.